And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, Fascination. Welcome to the show. So I'm going to take a big leap here. I'm going to go out on a limb. That's what I like to do. And I'm going to say that most of the people listening have traveled before. Whether it's local travel, whether it's by plane within the United States, whether it's international travel, whether it's travel in your own country, you've been places, you've had to pack a bag, you've had to bring stuff with you from your house to whatever the travel location is. Some of you may think it's a hassle. Some of you may love it. Some of you may uh, be on the fence and be neutral. But I'm going to say that, especially for me, the whole packing aspect of this, carrying your stuff everywhere, having to check a bag, especially in the United States, is kind of a hassle. It's expensive now. You know, I remember the days when you didn't have to pay for a checked bag, and now you do. It's gotten crazy. So when I first heard about... Doug Diamond, the, the, he's called the Go Light Guru. Uh, he's the master of the one bag travel plan. And what he does is he's able to take traveling and boil down the essentials of what you need to one carry-on bag. Now, this may seem impossible. It may seem ridiculous. But he has an entire website, onebag.com, dedicated to getting you to one carry-on bag. I found this phenomenon absolutely mesmerizing, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think that this will actually really enhance people's travel lives, and it's just it's a crazy thing. I think there's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to unpack, no pun intended. So we're going to get right into this. Dr. Doug Diamond, thank you for being on the show today. So do you do you prefer doctor? Do you prefer Doug? Do you prefer the doc? What do you like? Doug is fine. Yeah, my doctorate is computer science, and it really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. So <laughs> <laughs> you can call me professor too. I was a I was a I'm a retired computer science professor, but but really Doug is fine. <laughs> uh, I may call you Doc every now and again because I think it's fun. So you started out as a as a computer engineer. I was a computer scientist. Um, I was a professor, full professor at University of Waterloo in Canada, which is in eastern Canada. Um, but, but I was also heavily involved in industry, so I did a lot of um, uh, what I would call evangelizing, uh, working for startup companies, flying around the world, giving technology talks on new technologies and things. So that led me to you know, that led me to a lot of travel. <laughs> um, I'm a million-mile flyer with United and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and, of course, given my my personal uh, inclinations, which is science and technology and engineering and stuff, um, mm-hmm. I, I naturally had to analyze all that to, to see if I could travel as efficiently as possible. And so ultimately that kind of led to me becoming something of an expert on traveling light. And back in the late 90s, I guess, I forget when, around 96 or so. Um, uh, that was kind of the time when websites were, were coming up, and I thought, well, I'd better learn about this website technology. 
And so what should I do? What kind of a website could I build that might be interesting? And I thought, well, people are always asking me for for help on how to pack lightly. Maybe I'll just do a little website on that. So it started out very simply, and over the years it just kind of grew. <laughs> so now it gets thousands of visitors a day, and uh, and it's it's I think it's regard I think it's fair to say that it's the it's the internet's number one resource on packing lightly. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's it's so that's kind of like what you're known for, and you know, it's funny. Like I just went down um, a, a Dr. Doug Diamond rabbit hole a second ago. So you're into a lot of other really cool stuff besides just packing lightly. So we're going to talk about yeah. that in a second. Okay. But you know that, but but you know this this idea of traveling with one carry-on bag is kind of what you're known for, and. Yeah. I mean, this just this concept is revolutionary to me. Uh, I definitely have my doubts that I'm capable of doing this. Oh, um, almost everybody is. <laughs> almost. So, yeah. who are the people who aren't capable? Just so I understand what I'm dealing with. Um. Okay. Um. They. They. Divas, I assume. Like yeah. I mean, obviously, people whose egos require them to just carry infinite stuff around with them. Um, sure. On a more practical level. There are some people who have medical requirements that they have to take stuff with them, um, and uh, and sometimes that takes them out of the traveling light category. Mm. Um, okay. People who travel on business in which the business itself requires that they take a bunch of stuff. Now, I, I most of my travel during my working career was on business, and and I took stuff. But that stuff was what most people take, like laptops and, you know, mm. presentations and, and some folders and things like that. But, you know, some people have to haul around real stuff with them. <laughs> right. and, and that may sometimes take them out of the, out of the traveling light category. Well, I would say, you know, you mentioned uh, like divas was the first thing that came to my mind. Now, you said egos. Maybe some of this is insecurity. Maybe people are afraid of not having whatever the thing is. That that's exactly need. what it is. That's, I mean, and that's true for everybody, not, not just with big egos. Even with small egos, people are just naturally afraid of travel. Travel is, you know, especially, especially if it's sort of leisure travel and you're going off to some country you've never been to before or some part of the world mm -hmm. you've never been to before. Um, people are just, you know, well, what if this, happens? well, you know, I better take this. I might need that. What about this? What if I get invited to dinner with the queen? You know, it's just like, it right. goes rattling around in their heads, all this stuff. And, and every time, every time something new rattles, a new thing goes in the bag. So that's clearly right. not the way to do it. <laughs> I imagine, I got to say though, I'm guessing that a lot of people fall into that category. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a pretty practical person, you know, I'm known as the analytical mastermind. So I'm good at taking things and kind of analyzing a list and saying, what do I need? What do I don't? But I got to tell you that a lot of times, you know, after reading a lot of the stuff on your website, I probably fall into the category of tons of nonsense stuff sure. uh, that you don't need. Yep. Um, but we're going to, we're going to cut down. You know, we're, hopefully through this conversation, we're going to help people figure out what they do and what they don't need. Right. But I got to ask you this: everyone's passion, right? Now, this is just a hypothesis that I've put together over years of talking to people. But I'm going to say that people's passions—they they come from a couple of different places. Either they loved something as a child and couldn't have it, so kind of in their adulthood, it becomes—I don't want to say obsession, but maybe their drive. Or it was something you loved in your childhood and had, and you've developed it into your life's work. Or, with something like this, 
where you want to make travel as easy as possible, things like that, passions like that, usually arise from some traumatic experience, either in one's childhood or in adulthood, that from that point forward, that thing will never happen again. I have to disillusion you. Um, I, 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 there's, there was no... There was no one thing. There was no aha moment. It was just nothing. It, it was just that over time, I was doing a lot of traveling, and mm -hmm. people like me, very analytic, um, just analyze the hell out of everything they do in their lives, especially things that they're going to be doing over and over and over again. So, so I just started thinking a lot about <laughs> how can I take less stuff with me, and I would see some people traveling with like five suitcases and other people traveling with one suitcase. And, and, uh, and so I thought, okay, so there's clearly a big difference between the way people travel. And of course I knew pretty much everybody knows that, that the secret to travel happiness is traveling lightly. It's just learning how to do it. That's the problem. Um, and so I, I knew that traveling lightly was the way to go, but, but like most people I had, I really didn't know what that meant. I knew it meant taking less stuff, but how do you decide what to take and and what is and what does it really mean to travel light? What is light? How light is light? How you know how long is a piece of string? Um, <laughs> and, and, how light is light? Yeah, and 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 so and so I just analyzed, you know, and 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 acted like the engineer that I was trained to be. Um, and over time, I mean, it didn't all happen instantly. I. I, there were some interesting discoveries along the way, um, but, but mostly it was just refining and thinking of better ways to do things, which is what engineers do, right? They just, they just analyze things and try to find out a more optimal way of doing it. So, uh, so that's kind of what it was. There wasn't a big moment when I suddenly said enough is enough. <laughs> I knew from the beginning that, you know, you can never travel too lightly. So, so I just had to figure out how, how to get it as light as possible for me. And then, and, and then the other thing, of course, that, that, that came as, I, I guess I would say a bit of a revelation, um, uh -huh, over there the it years. Is. I got it. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, this wasn't what, this wasn't what made me do it, but this was what made me come to a, a better understanding of it was that yeah, my it. my initial thought was okay well i'm like this i mean i'm just obsessive about these kind of things and i and i worry about all these little details and but normal people aren't like that normal mm. people are you know and so uh and so one of the things that i definitely learned over time which is why I feel very comfortable saying to you earlier, well, you can probably do it. Almost everybody can do it. So, and, and, so the thing that I learned over time that I didn't really know to begin with, because I had no data, was that really most people can learn to do this. If they want to do it, and if they're willing to spend the time necessary to do it, because it's not something you can just read a website and then tomorrow you'll be a light traveler. There's a process that you have to go through in order to get there. But I started getting letters from people over the years. I've had hundreds of letters from people who said basically that I changed their lives. I just, you know, and, and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that sounds like, oh, really, you changed their lives just by this little thing? No, no, if you travel and you can get it down to one bag, it will change your life. And and you don't and you don't really appreciate it until you actually get to that point. You can read about it on my site, and I give some examples of why it's better to travel lightly, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's it all makes sense, and it sounds good in that. But until you get to the point 
where you can just walk out into the world with nothing more than a bag that you can very comfortably carry on your shoulders and know know that you're you're covered for everything that that basically you can handle any exigency anything that's likely to come up you're prepared to deal with it um and and when you when you hit that moment it's 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 a life-changing experience i really it really is (laughs) i have too many letters from too many people um saying that to believe otherwise no, I believe you. Well, look, I, I love exigency. Is that the word you used? Uh, that's a, it's a great word. Uh, I've never heard it, and I've never used it before, but it's going into the old vault. Okay. Uh, now, i got to tell you, I, so part of what you said I know is 100% true because I read your website last night, and today I don't think I'm a better packer. But I'm right. going to put a lot of these things into place because there's nothing that I hate more than a hassle, and no right. one gives you more hassles than than at an airport. Right. So right. Uh, I am on board with this 100%. Yep. Um, so before we do this, I, before we go down this rabbit hole, I want to talk about a couple things here because uh, we this was really, really interesting to me. So first of all, there are you have lots of facets to yourself on your website. You live in Gibsons, British Columbia. Uh, yes. Two incredible things that you, you note on there. No, 2009 and 2005 were big years for Gibsons, British Columbia. Number one, 2009... It was rated the most livable town in the world, and in 2005, the world's best municipal water. Now, here's what's strange. I went back through the records Mm -hmm. here, Doug, and this is what's odd. Not at any point in the next 10 years does Gibson's British Columbia appear on either one of those lists, and several other places make it on the top 10 list. Montiplier, Ohio, dominates the list of municipal water, as a matter of fact. What happened? What's going on? Is it still livable? Did the did the did town get taken over by a cartel? What's going on? Sure, I don't think anything dramatic happened. Um, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is just that they didn't bother to apply. They already had won it once. They could put that on their banner and say, "Hey, we won this award," and they just didn't bother to apply because the, the the groups that do this research they're not just they're not checking every every little town everywhere in the entire world that would be insane right. they're they're just uh, <laughs> reviewing the ones that have applied and so gibson applied for those two things so that's all <laughs> that's it i mean i mean i gotta tell you that's a little canadian because like in the united states there's no way that if a town won they're not going for it every year I mean, we're a pretty competitive <laughs> bunch down here uh, i'm sure you know that uh, and I thought Gibsons would be like that, but uh, especially when you hit the number one spot, you want to remain number one forever. You got to build your legacy right, as the right. world's, you know, history. You want to be history's greatest town <laughs> and have history's best municipal water. Right. That's what I would go for. Well, I know our water hasn't changed at all, so uh, so that's you know it was it is now what it was then. Um, it's okay. drawn directly from an aquifer. It's not even processed. It just goes directly and it's tested just to make sure, obviously. But it's there's no processing all there's no filtering there's no chlorination or anything they just what comes out of the land goes directly into the pipes and comes out of my tap um and and that's and that's been true uh forever now you know the other one is a little more subjective the the most livable small town what does that mean i i don't know i never bothered to investigate exactly what what the criteria were but it's a it's a great place to live it really is it's it's like picture postcard country, and it's... In 2009, it definitely was. I don't know about now, but yeah. 100% 10 years ago, greatest place to live. Yeah, I can it's, that it's, much it's a fabulous place. We, we love it. We decided to retire here, so, uh, so we're here for the duration, I think. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I profiled uh, a small community. They were very cutting edge uh, as far as what they would do um, living off the earth and, like, not very eco-friendly. Right. And they, they had reverse osmosis filters in their water right. for, forever. So even, I mean, they ended up changing it because it didn't make a lot of sense to wash your car with reverse osmosis <laughs> right. filters. Yes, exactly. Um, but they had, they had absolutely incredible water. Okay, so the last thing here, and we're not going to dwell on this very long because I could not wrap my head around it. I'm hoping you will stick around for a bonus episode on this because this is the rabbit hole I went down, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> you have a website called The Deceptionary. Oh, dear. And I tell you, <laughs> I, I, I read it, and it, I felt like I stumbled into a different world. Possibly I was reading a text from the Knights Templar right around the 13th century. I don't exactly know what it is, right. um, but this is a whole, you've got a whole world going on there. Yep. In brief, what is this? Um, it's a branch of theatrical arts. It's, um, it's, it's the people that you see on television or whatever um, that uh, ostensibly are reading your mind, and they're doing it for entertainment purposes. So it's it's basically about mind readers and stuff, and Got it's it. always been a hobby of mine since I was since I was in college. I guess is when I first started uh, being interested in it, um, and I've in that subculture, which is a very tiny subculture, um, uh, I'm I'm regarded as one of the sort of major creators for 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 those kinds of people. So I write a lot of very technical books that really if you bought one and read it you probably wouldn't understand it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm a pretty smart guy, yeah, but I got to tell it's, you. It's not your, that your you're not it's continue. not that you're not smart enough to understand it. It's that it's that the books are written uh, w- with the pre- presupposition that the reader has a great deal of background knowledge that isn't taught in the books. So, um, so you would be reading it, and you would see terms that you that you didn't know what they meant, and you would have a hard time tying it all together. I mean, you'd you'd know roughly what 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 it, what was going on, but 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 it, it it wouldn't be very interesting. It would just be confusing. But to people who are in this uh, area of of endeavor, it's it, you know it's cutting edge stuff. So. <laughs> I believe it. Well, look, I will tell you this. I read your website, and to your point, I didn't know what was going on. So, uh, <laughs> right. so, so you are correct in that. So hopefully you'll stick around, because I, I got a whole bunch of questions about that. But let's say, uh, you know, let's say I'm going to Gibson's British Columbia, which sounds like something that I should do, given the, the awards in the past decade. Uh, and I want to travel light. You know, I, you've got a lot of great quotes on your website uh, that really kind of guide you down this path. And, you know, one of the things, kind of the core part of this is that you say you can go pretty much anywhere for an indefinite amount of time with nothing more than a carry-on bag. That just as a concept, and maybe it's because, especially in the U.S., people have just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of, you know, gadgets that do, like, one thing, right. you know, that, you know, what's the point of having it to do that one random thing? Exactly. You know, there's lots of clothes. People like to look good. You know, I think that that may be one of the things that, that has a lot of bulk. But I think for the average American, this seems impossible. Uh, so what are, well, how can you alleviate my fears that this is, in fact, possible? Well, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, without spending a very long time, do that in any kind of a, in any kind of a logical way, but I would just, I would just use, 
um, uh, I would make a reference to there's a page on my website in which people write in and say that they've done it. And these are just like normal people, just like you. And, uh, and, and they say, oh, my God, I never thought I could do it. Or this has changed my life or everything. So, so I absolutely know people can do it. So, I mean, it's just it's not that difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, I, it isn't. I mean, it, it's not. It, it's right. difficult in that it takes time. It's like learning to play a musical instrument. You know, yeah. it's not that difficult. Those are incredibly difficult. I don't mean to argue with you, but playing a musical instrument is incredibly difficult. So. No, playing one at at concert levels is incredibly <laughs> difficult. Um, right. But but learning to play the piano or the guitar or whatever is not that difficult. But it takes a lot of time. You can't just read the guitar book and tomorrow go out on stage with your with your hometown band. So, uh, so, but it, but if you do it, if you follow the steps and learn the scales and play, play the scales a few times and then do this and then do that, then eventually you reach a point where you can play guitar, not badly, maybe not concert level, but not badly. Um, and it's the same with, it's the same with learning how to travel light. If you, if you take the time and you have to do, there's stuff you have to do. It's like, there's a homework assignment <laughs> and you can't right. skip it. You can't say, oh yeah, I, I understand where he's going with that. Okay. I get that. I don't really have to actually do that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you actually have to do it because, because, um, first of all, I don't know what your life looks like, so I mm-hmm. can't tell you exactly what you should put in your bag. Um, but what I can do is tell you how you can figure out what should go in your bag. Um, but it's going to take a little time. And, it, and as I say, it'll change over time because you will change, the places you visit will change, the world will change. Right. It's a constantly evolving process. Uh, well, I, I want to tell you, so I, I don't know if you've, I, you've traveled extensively. You've mm-hmm. you got a million miles. I don't know if you've ever been to the United States because the way you're talking, if you don't know that Americans want to read a website one day and do it <laughs> magically the next day, you've never been to the United States. Oh, well, first of all, I've lived in the United States for close to 30 years. Um, but, um, but, uh, but, yeah, of course you know I know how that. We are, of, of, of course I know that. It's no surprise to me at all. And, and, and I also know that probably, the well, in fact, certainly, the majority of the people who read my website will never learn how to travel lightly. Um, they might find it interesting, even entertaining, but they're not going to take the steps necessary to get, to, to get them to the point where they can do that. I mean, I get, as I say, I get, I get a couple of thousand visitors every day on that website. So there's a lot of people looking at it and reading at least some of it. Um, right. But then I go to the airport and look around me, <laughs> and I say, Nope, none of these people have read my website and learned how to do it because everybody's carrying way too much stuff. They're, they got so much stuff, it's got to have wheels on it, and they're carting around behind them like a trailer. I mean, what kind of, that's not traveling lightly. Have you ever had like a freak out moment in the airport where you see all this stuff and you're just like, what are you doing? Oh, what yeah. is going on? All the time. Have you ever just like lost it in the middle of an airport? Oh, well, I've never lost it, but I, but I do look okay. around and, and say, you know, there was a, back in the, in the, the first century B.C., there was a Roman poet by the name of Juvenal. And so we're talking first century B.C., right? Roman poet Juvenal, and he wrote for the first time that we know that it was ever written down anywhere, that the, basically the secret to happiness is learning how to travel lightly. So we've known this for literally, you know, <laughs> more than a thousand years. And many, many other people have written about it, not just me. Over the years, you'll see on my website 
dozens and dozens of quotes from people. Um, uh, and, uh, and yet, go to any airport anywhere in the world, look around, and you'll see that people haven't really learned that. So the information has been out there uh, for a long, 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 long time. And people just don't, they don't do it. They don't think it applies to them. They can't take the trouble, um, whatever. <laughs> Well, there's there's a lot to it. I, I do want to mention one of the things I loved on your website is that you have a YouTube video where you take a piece of paper and turn it into an eight-page notebook with like kind of like pseudo origami. Right. Uh, that, that's a great. That's such a great idea to do on the run. Uh, so now, now I'm going to say something here. It's kind of controversial, sure. but I think it's I think it's the truth. Uh, and I'm painting with a broad brush. I realize this. Okay. Um, so in general terms, I think that that guys can probably use your techniques pretty well. I read them. I understand they take a lot of work. I think I can do it. I'm gonna, we're going to go over some of these core elements. But I think that there are some uh, members of the opposite sex who tend to carry, uh, on average, lots of stuff, including things like tons of makeup. You yep. know, or, yep. and lots of feminine products, beautifying products, yep. that I would imagine take up a large amount of a carry-on bag between between beauty products and clothes i think you're at 115 percent capacity of a carry-on bag <laughs> so what what would be your tip to people like that well my response uh to your observation or your supposition is um is that it is it is not as true as you might think um, uh, and, and I get that a lot. Oh yeah, you're a guy and you're an engineer and you can live, you know, with a, with jeans, a t-shirt and a toothbrush. Um, uh, and, and it's just, it's just, that's just not true. <laughs> um, well, women don't want to go out into the woods and pull up tree bark and have mascara. Like that's not, you know, so yeah, <laughs> they don't want yeah, to do but that, most typically. guys don't want to go in the woods and pull up tree bark either. So they like you to think that they, that they would, but really they want to be just as comfortable as everybody else does. So, um, men have some advantages in this, in this game and women have some advantages in this game. Um, and, uh, and, you know, all in all, it's kind of a level playing field. Um, first of all, with respect to cosmetics, a lot of that is just learning how to do it smart. Um, uh, you can drastically reduce if you're a woman and you feel the need to carry all kinds of cosmetics. Um, you can drastically reduce the space and the weight um, taken up by cosmetics by learning one simple trick. <laughs> so, so a lot of that is just, you know, they, the, the cosmetics that they've bought over the years have been the cosmetics that they've bought over the years. And they've, and there was never any thought put into, is this a good travel item? But once somebody points out to them how you can do this in a more travel friendly way, they can dramatically reduce that. And the other, the other thing, the other thing that, that women tend to uh, you know, and this, and, and again, I'm, I'm making, I'm, I'm using the same broad brush that you are. Um, but women do tend as a group <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, to be a lot more interested in shoes than men are. So, and shoes are a hell item to pack. So, so, you know, a lot of women are not happy if they don't have five pairs of shoes with them. And, and, you know, and I have no real fix for that, except to tell you, you don't really need five pairs of shoes. Um, but there are some who would just, you know, insist, no, I, you know, I can't possibly be happy without five pairs of shoes. And, 
And to them, I say, well, okay, you've you've relegated yourself to a lifetime of hauling a lot of stuff around with you that uh, that I and many other women don't think you need. But uh, but that's that's a lifestyle choice that you've made. So you know, live with it. Fine. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Um, on the other hand, women, um, and and I'm speaking now, I guess, a little bit more about business and commercial travelers. Um, women have much broader choices of clothing than men do. Men are much more proscribed than women are in terms of what what is considered to be acceptable clothing. And so men have to carry a lot more clothing than women do, even though that sounds like, well, wait a minute, it's women who are carrying all this stuff. Yeah, but if you learn how to do it correctly, women can get away with a lot of stuff than a man can't. A woman can pack a scarf and there are like 50 different ways of tying that scarf that will give her 50 different visual looks when she goes out into the world. And a man doesn't have that equivalent. There is just no equivalent for that in a man. Now, you might say a man doesn't need 50 different looks, and I would agree that, yeah, men are maybe a little less required uh, to look different. But really, one of the big challenges uh, in packing lightly at all for anybody is – uh, especially vis-a-vis the, the comment that you that you noted earlier, where I say that you can go out, you know, for for uh, an indefinite period of time with what's in a bag. You obviously have to worry about what kind of clothing that you're carrying, and especially if you're going out into a business environment or any other environment in which it's expected that you will be changing your clothes on a regular basis so people don't see you wearing the same shirt and the same pants every single time they see you. Um, And it's much easier for women to achieve that particular portion of the the challenge uh, than it is for men because men just don't have that many options. But women have lots of options. So, you know, each, each of the sexes has its own... Yeah, <laughs> good points and bad points about whether they could do this. If you read the, those letters in the back of the website, you'll see that I think there are probably a lot more of those letters come from women than come from men, because for women it's often a more a more life changing experience than it is for men. So, yeah, it makes sense. I, I mean, look, there's a, I did a whole show on sneakerheads, so you know it's really like a shoe problem, and there's men who wear cosmetics, so there's a cosmetic yep. problem. Yep. Um, so you you talked about this great fix for cosmetics. What is what is the fix? The simple fix that will that will solve this problem? Get rid of the water. Okay. Almost everything. So anything that's liquid, all powder. Anything that's a liquid, you don't want. Water um, is the worst thing to pack. <laughs> it's heavy. It's messy. The the security people don't like it. Uh, everything, everything is bad about water. So you start saying, okay, so what, what can I, what can I get for the things that I want to have that doesn't have water? And that will reduce their volume by 80% or more, reduce their weight to almost zero. Uh, and that, and that covers shampoo, hair conditioner, tooth cleaner, uh, sunblock, insect repellents, mascara, foundation, moisturizers, facial cleansers, exfoliants, body scrubs, facial masks, bronzers, perfumes, all of those things can be purchased in solid form, and they take up a tiny fraction of the space that the liquid version takes up, um, and they, they weigh hardly anything at all. So with that one simple step, get rid of the water in your cosmetics, um, you shrink it, reduce the weight, and you're good to go.
So. Well, you know, I mean, that is spoken like a true engineer, but I got to tell you <laughs> something here, Doug. Um, I, I've, I'm very familiar with, with I'll say women, but I will, anyone who likes a product. Okay? Mm, yeah. And so to simply say, let's remove the water, like you give some, I mean, one of my favorite things about the website is you give these like powder, it's almost like an apothecary. Like there's like these powder, turn of the century powder equivalents, like powdered toothpaste and right. powdered, you know, there's a bar of shampoo right. and that's great. That's an alternative for sure. Right. But I've dated people who are very particular about their makeup. And right. so, you know, a MAC mascara that is, you know, a liquid, right. you know, going together and, and like crushing charcoal or finding like a powdered mascara is not right. going to cut it as an argument with, with certain people who love their, their things. Yes. But so, but so now where we are is we're, we're, we're at a lifestyle choice. Do you really want to travel lightly, or is it more important to you to use that particular brand of mascara? Even though you haven't actually tried the one that I'm suggesting, it might be great. Many of them are made by, you know, the, I mean, these aren't like obscure things from, from hippie companies in the backwoods. These are made by, right. by major, major companies. Some of them are. <laughs> uh, well, most of them are. I mean, I mean the, the whole toothpaste and tooth powder thing, that's just, that's just truly silly because toothpaste is, has been a giant marketing ripoff for years and years and years. <laughs> they make you buy all this expensive stuff that's mostly water. You can buy a little jar of, of tooth powder, and, you, and it comes in many different flavors, so you, know, you can find one that you like. And it, it'll clean your teeth every bit as well, and this little, little tiny bottle will probably last you for two years, whereas a tube of toothpaste is lucky to last you for two months. So it's just... It's just and, and there's no difference. And, you know, your mouth feels just as fresh. It's, it's, it's every bit as clean. Some would argue that it's cleaner because there's a little tiny bit of abrasive in, in, uh, in uh, tooth powders. So, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> not, but not everyone loves to brush their teeth with, you know, two grit sandpaper. It's so, not sandpaper. Uh, it's it it it's, tastes once it's in your mouth, it, it tastes just like toothpaste. You can't tell the difference. Well, no, but it's 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 for sure gritty. I mean, it is for sure gritty. All I'm, I mean, the not in your mouth. It isn't. Here. Not in your mouth. It isn't. It's a fine powder. You put it. You you dribble a little bit into the center of your palm. You pick it up with a damp toothbrush. You put the toothbrush in your mouth after the second stroke of the toothbrush. You can't tell whether it started life as a as a as a sort of gooey paste or whether the gooey paste is something that you made by adding the water to it. You you can't tell. Well, I mean that's subjective. But what I will say is that w the point I'm trying to make here is that you know in the in the website it does say that it's very simple. And I think I think that a lot of these things are simple. But I think what what, what I want to reiterate to people listening is that it is. You know, when you say to say it's a lifestyle choice, it's like, OK, that's a big statement. But, oh, I can do that. You are really talking about a paradigm shift. I mean, it's not so much a lifestyle choice. I mean, you literally have to change your paradigm on what you are comfortable traveling with and what you do and don't need, which is actually, in my opinion, the biggest question about this. And I think for anyone to make those gigantic paradigm shifts, which goes back to my question before about how did you kind of come about this, right. I think major life events have to happen where you're like, I am done with this thing and I need to change everything about it, whether it's weight loss or diet change or, you know, th there's always like an event. And so, you know, I think I just want to make it clear that like there are incredible ways to change everything, but it does require huge paradigm shifts. The first being um, and I think this is incredibly important. And you make, you know, there are a couple of things that you say are fundamental to this process. 
And I want to go over the three core elements and then and then yep. say what that is. So the first core element is packing modernization, so prioritizing, weight reduction, travel-friendly versions, kind of what you're talking about, yep. and then bag optimization, so taking a bag and putting as much stuff in there and making it efficient. And the number one thing on there, which which I love but I think is extraordinarily difficult, is this idea of a packing list. Right. And again, as I've mentioned, this requires a paradigm shift because we're not talking about a laundry list or a, a, a shopping list of things you want to bring. It is uh, much more detailed than that. Yes. Uh, and, and you talk about it being a pact with yourself not to bring anything that isn't on the list. Right. So there's a very fine line here that I kind of want you to, to define okay. between what goes on that list and what doesn't go on that list because I think it can be a little confusing that you know, it is not. It is a packing list, but it is not a, a shopping list. How can you kind of give that to someone that they can digest it and create one of their own? Well, it's. I mean, first of all, let me begin before before answering your question directly. Let me just make the observation that if you've looked at my packing list, which I include on the site to give people you know a real world example of what such a list looks like, you'll see that it's not exactly missing anything. In fact, no, it was very all in, in fact, sure. when I travel, <laughs> I am known as the guy who will always have whatever it is you forgot. If somebody forgot this, that, or the other thing, they would always say, "Well, ask Doug. He probably has one." And and yeah, I probably do. So it's just that there's a lot of thought behind what I've packed, whereas where most people, there's not a lot of thought. They just kind of reflect their day-to-day -day life and put whatever they think they need from their day-to-day -day life into their bag. And that makes it very easy to overpack the bag and start needing another bag and, and so on. I, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that, that travel life is different from day-to-day -day life, and it requires a different, a different set of rules for thinking about it if you want to do it. Uh, as happily as possible. So, well, And that's a very important distinction. I, I want to put a point on that because what you are saying is incredibly important, and I think this is really the paradigm-shifting concept, which is that everyday life is different than travel life. Right. And I think people, what you're saying is very true, and they want to replicate their everyday life right. when they go and travel even to foreign countries. Forget about going to Canada or other places in the U.S. where everything's pretty similar, right? Besides the competitive nature, which we've talked about earlier. But sure. other than that, Canada and the United States are pretty similar. When you're going to you know places that, that are less traveled, you can't have this life there. Right, exactly. And and I would in fact I would go further and say you don't want to have this life there because if you if you just want to replicate your current life in the middle of India, then why the hell did you bother go to India? It's hot and smelly and uncomfortable. So <laughs> So you know, I don't know that I'd want to have the Indian life while I'm in India either. I mean, there, it's not always great there. You know, I'd like that. I like this life. We're in, you know, top one percent of the world. Sure, sure, but you've got to, you've got to find out where to draw the line and and where to say, sure. you know, where to get away from this. Well, it's Tuesday. It must be Belgium problem. So, right. Um, right. So yeah. So yeah. Of course, it takes it, it. It takes a paradigm shift. It takes a different. You have to think differently when you're traveling. So anyway, let me get let's get back to the packing list thing. So the packing list is um, I use that term because it's search friendly and it helps people find me, but it's right. it's absolutely not the kind of packing list that that if in fact if you do if you do a Google search on packing list, you'll find a million hits. And and 99.9% .9 of them are a packing list 
that is not at all the kind of thing that I'm talking about. The, when people normally use the term packing list, they mean a list they probably got. They probably didn't even make it themselves. They found it on the Internet or they got it in a travel store somewhere. And what that really is is kind of a shopping list, especially if they found it in a travel store. It's kind of a shopping list of things that you might want to think about taking with you. Okay, well, that's fine. I don't have anything against that. You should read those. You might get some clever ideas. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is if you want to learn to travel lightly, you have to figure out how to do it. And the most important step you can take in figuring out how to do it is to make a blueprint of what your travels will look like. Your travels, not my travels, you know, um, not somebody else's travels because everybody's different. You need to make a blueprint of what your travels are going to look like. And, uh, and first of all, so I start out by saying, so there's a list on this site, quite extensive, quite you know, annotated about what my list looks like. And, and I say, that's a good starting point. I would suggest you start with that list, but understand right from the beginning that this is my list. It's not your list. There are going to be things on this list that are completely irrelevant for you. And there are probably going to be things that you can't live without that aren't on this list. So that's your job. That's your homework assignment. And that's the biggest single task that you have. And it's an ongoing task. I mean, initially, it's, it's a big chunk of work. But over time, it's just reviewing and checking to make sure that things haven't changed. But it's, it's a list. It's one piece of paper, I hope, <laughs> um, that has on it everything that you would ever consider taking on a trip. Now, let me just, let me just back away from that very slightly and say that you know, there are obviously very small exceptions to that. If you're going to visit your your cousin in Poughkeepsie and it's his birthday and you're taking a birthday present, the birthday present doesn't need to be on the list. All right, so there are there are one of situations that there might be something that you want to take and and that thing isn't on the list. But that but I think those are fairly obvious. So with that and So you can break your pact with your packing list for things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, that shouldn't happen very often. There are very few situations other than taking gifts for things. Or sometimes if it's a bit a business situation, you have to take the company requires that you take something that you wouldn't normally take. You know, so there are there are tiny little exceptions to the rule, but they are so tiny that, that I'm happy to ignore them and say the rule is if it's not on your packing list, it shouldn't be in your bank. Um, and so the packing list then is a sort of a worst-case list. If you were traveling um, from, uh, from the Arctic to India on the same trip, this list would cover that. It would have you comfortable in the Arctic, and it would have you comfortable in India, and it would still all fit in a single bag. Now, I've never actually traveled from the Arctic to India, but I have traveled from Moscow in wintertime to India, and... And I just, that was my packing list. <laughs> Everything fit in my bag. This is a business trip. So I had a laptop. I had, you know, uh, overhead projection slides, which were the thing back then, um, and all that stuff. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely doable. And I don't look like a slob when I, you know, I'm, I'm representing a company. I have to look like a professional business person standing up in front of very large crowds of people. So, 
So uh, it, it works fine. <laughs> well, so, so the the fine line that I want to talk about is that you know there's there's a fine line between making a list for all occasions and making an all encompassing list because when you start telling people, um, an average person, you know, not like guys like us, right? We're talking about the average person. Uh, you, you start really. When you, like when I hear that, I'm like, okay, well then, w worst case scenario, and that's when a packing list can balloon out of control. What is the secret to to not overpacking when you have to pack for everything? Well, I mean, by packing for everything, I mean packing for every normal travel situation. If you're getting married and you're going to have your wedding on the top of Mauna Kea, um, you're going to have to pack a wedding dress. And as far as I know, those things are huge. And that's not going to be on your packing list because that's not normal life. That's a very weird situation. If you're going to go scuba diving in the West Indies and, and you've decided that you don't trust um, the scuba dive renting places in the West Indies and you want to take all your own scuba equipment with you, then, okay, you're... <laughs> You're, that's a special situation. That's not something you normally do. If it is something you normally do, then you're going to be one of these people that I mentioned right at the beginning who is not capable of traveling lightly. I'm not talking about one-off exceptions. I, I, like, I've looked at okay. your packing list, for example, and you have, right. like, you know, like, you have, like, a compass and, like, notebooks and, like, and like all this stuff that, you know, may, you may need a compass, right? Like, I, I'm not saying you're not going to need that. So that, by definition, would go on an all-encompassing list. But if I'm going to, I go to national parks. I love traveling the national parks. Do I need a compass? No, absolutely not, because I'm not, I'm not going off track. However, however, I, I'm But it saying, needs to be on your list if you think that at some point you might need it. The, the, the packing list is not a list of things that you take with you on your trip. It, it, it's 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 a list of things you should check for this trip to see if you need those any of those things on this trip. And most trips, you will take a significant subset of those things. I, I'm just saying that there has to be for for an average person. You know, that is, I think, maybe the most daunting part of it is making the list is so important. It has to cover all options, and and it, and and by nature of that exact fact of having to cover all options that can cause people to start including everything on the list, and then that list will then be counterproductive and will be way bigger, and people will be taking way more than they actually need to. Well, well, yeah, maybe, maybe, but, but remember that this is not a one-time thing. This is an ongoing lifetime activity. You are constantly refining the list. So it's not a big deal if you put something on the list that that doesn't receive the Doug Diamond stamp of approval because it's not light enough or small enough or whatever. Um, it's it does, I don't care if you put it on your list. Put it on your list, you know, and leave it on your list for six months if you like. But if at the end of a year's travels or whatever you find that you uh, that you you you've never taken it with you or you have taken, but more likely you have taken it with you, but you haven't actually used it, now it's time to take it off your list. I mean that's that's the whole point is that you don't you you don't you don't read the website make a list think about it for an hour and then tomorrow you're going to be traveling lightly no it might take you it it will certainly take you weeks it might take you months or even years to get really good at it but you start somewhere and and I'm, and this is my prescription for how you start you make a list and that list is a fixed list you know and you you change that list you know you put it on your computer so it doesn't change unless you specifically change it um you don't you don't keep making new lists you work with the list that you started with and you refine it and you refine it over time 
because most of the stuff that people take with them, they don't use. Here are a couple of great quotes from the website that I think are getting at the heart of what I'm what I'm asking is that, you know, you, you say that, that the worst time to, to consider what to take on a trip is while you're packing for it, which is a perfect right. reason and why you want to do all this stuff beforehand. Um, right. And that, you know, the single lifetime list that you're going to evolve and change over time really serves to constraint your exuberance. I mean, that's kind of the key of what I'm asking here is that really what you want to do is to not be exuberant. You want to like, what do you need? Right. Does the value of what you have, does it equal the weight at which you're bringing? Like that is the key. So when you are putting together these types of lists, you want to really keep that in mind is, is right. do you want to be lugging this thing around? Is it giving you that, that extra value? And one of the key things that you say is to eliminate the liabilities. So, you know, things that are going to do what I just said, things that are going to add, add zero value and add significant weight, you know, these types of maybe gadgets, extra pairs of shoes that, that you don't need, uh, you know, because th there are lots of conditions where you need maybe a hiking shoe and a dress shoe, um, yep. combine them both. Uh, one of the things that that uh, that I, I got later on, you talk about doing laundry, mm -hmm. and it's funny because you mention it in that particular article that that doing the laundry is the key to packing light. And again, I think this requires, for longer trips, right? And, and I think that this is again one of those paradigm shifting things, is because essentially this is the key to eliminating excessive wardrobe. And so you take, you know, two or three things, depending on how long you're going to be away. I mean, obviously, this is for an indefinite amount of time. But let's say you're on a week trip. Well, there's no reason to bring seven different things. You bring three or four different things with the idea that you're going to do laundry halfway through. One of the things that I loved about that is... Let, let me just slightly interrupt you there. Um, um, that sort of, and, and I think I mentioned this in the site somewhere, the, the week is sort of my internal mental cutoff. I say that anything up to a week, I'm just going to bring as much socks as underwear as I need and not bring any laundry equipment. But anything over a week, I'm going to bring uh, fewer socks and underwear and, uh, and laundry equipment. So right. that's that. Yeah. And that makes sense because a week of, of laundry stuff is about what will fit in a bag. And that, you know, you can do that comfortably, um, especially with the bundle wrapping technique, which I really like. We'll get to that in a second. But one of the things that, that, that I thought was interesting about the site, which, again, is a paradigm shifting thing, is this idea of doing laundry on your own, like doing your own laundry yep. uh, in, a, yep. in a basin, you know, which, again, a paradigm shift. Not everyone's comfortable doing that. I have a crazy story. When I was in high school, I went on a trip uh, with, with my high school class to Florida. And one of the things you had to do, and I'm not really sure why, I just remember doing it, is I had to wash clothes inside. Like everyone did. They had a, everyone had to wash clothes like in their sink, which is really weird. Because then you would right. look out and everyone would have their clothes hanging on the outside. And we're kids. How clean could it possibly get? But you go through some pretty good steps in there on how to get it pretty clean. Uh, oh, know, yeah. Basically the same way as a washing machine. But I think that that's, that might be a leap for some people. Yeah. I mean, if you want to travel for, for, you know, for a period of time longer than a week, um, you're going to have to worry about how your clothes get washed. And you can either wash them yourself or you can figure out some other way of getting that done. Um, but any, any option that I've ever seen for getting it done is hugely problematic in most parts of the world. So, uh, you know, finding a laundromat or getting your hotel to do it for you or whatever. Um, uh, those are, you know, they have timing problems associated with them. They, have qu they certainly have quality problems associated with them. Um, and quite simply, you just might not, if you're staying in B&Bs, you don't have, 
you don't have hotel staff to do things for you, uh, and uh, and there's a good chance you won't be able to find a laundromat in many parts of the world. Even in even if you're in like London, you, you can you could spend half a day looking for a laundromat. Believe me. So so yeah, learn how to do it yourself, and don't make an onerous thing out of it. Don't make a big deal out of it. If you're going to do your laundry once a week in your sink, you're not going to be a very happy person. But if you do your laundry every night or every other night um, uh, in your sink, it's, it's no more onerous than brushing your teeth. It doesn't take very long. It's just, it's just one of those things you do. You know, you're, oh, brushing my teeth, my God, I've got to dig up the, the tooth powder. I've got to find the toothpaste. I've got to make sure that it's clean. I've got to put it on. I've got to, I've got to rinse my mouth. Man, that's a lot of work. No, it's not. It doesn't, it doesn't take any time at all. You know exactly what you're going to do. You can be thinking of other things. Um, while you're doing it. And it's the same with laundry. Just learn how to do it well. And it takes a few minutes. If you've got the right stuff with you, which isn't very much, mostly something to do the laundry and something well-designed to hold the clothes for drying. Um, and it also helps to have clothes that dry quickly. So if you, if you have all those three things covered, then it's just, it's just not a big deal to do your laundry in the sink if you do it every night or two. Um, but if you save it all for the end of the week, and now you've got the laundry to do, now it now it becomes a chore, and uh, and I wouldn't like that any more than you would. Right. I mean that that is that is. I mean it it can be done. It has been done. And one of the other kind of cool things, and there's a this you got a couple of great examples on your website. I'll put I'll put links to the videos. This idea of multi-purpose clothing. Uh, which I love this. So clothing was was I, th- I think is actually a really key to to packing light. So first of all, you have this great video of of a woman who takes a man's dress shirt and wears it in I think it's five different ways that all look yep. completely different, uh, which exactly. is actually mind blowing. I was like, oh, that's really crazy. Well. It, it- Ergo, my earlier comment that women, that, that's a benefit that women have that men don't have, right. <laughs> is yeah. the ability to do that. I mean, we can still do stuff. We can use scars and things, but, but women, women just have huge flexibility in that area. I have, there's another link in the site somewhere that shows, I think, like 50 different ways of tying a scarf. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, I wish I could do that. Right. <laughs> And some of that's, I mean, some of it's a little misleading because what you don't want is like, there was this great episode of The Simpsons where Marge finds this designer suit and then wears it and then ends up being part of high society. And then they realize she just keeps wearing the same suit over and over again. And so what you you don't want is that effect. Um, But there are lots of different ways to wear. Sure. And that's why, that's why Marge should have a scarf with her. And then she could have 50 different suits. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not quite like that, but I think you can accessorize differently. You you get the the point. point. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think that you know that that's also one of these cool things. The other thing is there's another great video you put up of, the, of this guy who the real the real travel hack, which I feel like I should have mentioned earlier that I loved, was this idea that people monitor what's in your bag but not what's on your person. And so he yeah. has all these tricks of like having you know the way you put on clothes, wear your heaviest stuff, put stuff in right. the pockets, you know, do things like that. You can be a little over encumbered, but you know that's a trick. And you mentioned on the website there's this great company. It's called e. Scott, Scott Evests, I believe. Scott Evests, yep. Mm-hmm. And they have an entire clothing line 
It's a whole yep. thing about pocket science, and yep. they basically, I mean, every single, they've got Speedos with pockets in them. Uh, oh, I know, yeah. And they've Great. got you know, really <laughs> cool-looking shirts that have, like, five or six different hidden pockets that you can't tell. They're not obnoxious like cargo shorts. They're almost like reverse cargo shorts. You know, they've got pants with eight or nine different pockets in it. I love this idea, and I think this is really the key. I think highly efficient clothing, to me, is really the key to packing the light. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different strokes for different folks. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of that approach. Um, I do. Uh, there's one aspect of it that I absolutely adhere to, and that is um, when you're flying in particular, um, you, you want to be wearing your heaviest clothes because it's a lot easier to carry clothing that you're wearing than it is to carry clothing in a bag. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, if I had, you know, both, both um, uh, dress shoes and hiking boots, uh, I would definitely be wearing the hiking boots on the plank because uh, they're, they're heavier, they take up more space in my suitcase, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely do that. And, I, you know, I'm a guy, so I have, you know, a reasonable number of pockets in my pants. And I, but I tend to carry the same things that most, most people do. Um, I'm not a big fan of all those super pockety things. I think they're very cool. Um, uh, uh, You know, and the company that makes them occasionally will send me one for me to look at, and and I look at it and I think, yeah, that's very cool. But the truth is I actually don't really really make much use of them. Mm. I mean, once in a while I'll wear one just because it's kind of interesting. But, but. But it, it does, that doesn't really work for me. I, I don't see the need for that, I guess. I, I, that, that hasn't helped me very much. There used to be a company. They've gone now. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of them, but, but it escapes me. Um, and they made, a, <laughs> they made this thing. I almost wish I'd, I'd gotten one, but I didn't. And then the company went out of business, so now I'll never get one. But they had a kind of a vest that you could buy. And it was basically an ugly vest, but it had huge huge pockets in it and you could really you could really just treat that vest like a, like a suitcase and and that was sort of the ultimate thumbing your nose at the at the at the airlines you know that let you take a bag one carry-on bag but don't care what you wear because they could basically put the entire contents of a bag into this silly <laughs> vest you know right, and yeah. claim that they wore it so um again it looked ugly you wouldn't you wouldn't go out in public like that but um but yeah, for getting on a plane and, and getting a bunch of stuff on, fine. But I don't think the goal is to get as much stuff past the airline uh, scrutiny as possible. I think the goal is to travel as lightly as possible. So you know, and 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 given that I can travel wearing normal clothing with no special pockets, with one uh, small light carry-on bag slung over my shoulder, um, then I'm fine. I don't need any of that stuff. I. But maybe as a stepping stone somewhere along the way, some people might feel comfortable using that as a kind of a, you know, a gateway product. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think you need it. I don't think you need it. One bag, one gigantic vest, and then we'll go down to one bag. Yeah. I like that as a gateway yeah. product, um, you know, for that, the hybrid people. Uh, and one right. last thing I want to talk about here is the uh, the idea of that, like, you, you talk about this is for all occasions. So, you know, as you mentioned, you went business for travel. You want to take nice clothes, and so you have this technique called the bundle wrapping, which a bundle wrapping technique, which is a, it's a little hard to decipher through description on the website. You have a video, yes. but I'm going to see yes. if I can kind of just for the audience give you a general idea and tell me if I'm wrong here. So what you want to do is essentially take a core. You want to have like a 
plastic, maybe like a, a rectangle thing. Sizes vary. And what you want to do is you want to fill it with soft items, nothing that would alert security so you don't have to unwrap this thing uh, at right. the security checkpoint. And so what you do is you take, uh, there's an order of how you want to structure this, this bundle wrap. You want to put jackets on the outside, shirts on the outside. Any, you mentioned that wrinkles are caused by pressure and folding. We want to eliminate both of those things. So in the center, you've got you know, T-shirts, and you essentially wrap T-shirts at, at two 180 degrees, one's facing north, one facing south, and you wrap them opposite ways. Pants are yep. kind of east and west. You wrap those yep. around. And you kind of want to get the the least wrinkled things at the out on the outside of this what's going to be yes. a little package where and, the radius of the curve has become larger right yeah. right yeah. which will reduce the amount of wrinkles and so you mm-hmm. at the end, if you do this properly, you essentially have this kind of cool stacked you know nesting doll ish wrapping nesting doll of all your clothes. That yep. will keep them extraordinarily wrinkle-free, I imagine. I've never done this before, but, but I think the, the science looks like it holds up. This is a great technique. How can people, is it just practice that perfects this? It is, yeah. I mean, I mean um, you mean for, for people just starting? Yeah, like if you want to get, if you want to really, because I think this is really key to keeping clothes. As I mentioned, I think clothes are the key to this whole thing, and keeping them looking nice is key to that. You know, how do people master this? Right, right. And, and, and I'll tell you, uh, honestly, that uh, for my entire website, the page that talks about bundle wrapping is the page that I have rewritten far more than any other page on the site. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine <laughs> Because so. it's very, very hard to, to teach it because there are so many elements to it. Um, and I mean, I think, I think I, I'm a pretty good explainer. I know I'm good at explaining things and, and I think I've covered all the territory on that, on that page, but it, it's still, you've still got the problem of people don't like to read anymore. Uh, and so they're probably going to miss some aspect of it the first couple of times that, that, that they do it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's mostly a question of just, I mean, the first time you do it, it'll be awkward and clumsy, and you won't know which goes where, and and you won't know what you're supposed to do to the shirts, and what's, you know, there's just a lot of things that you'll get wrong the first time. Um, but you keep doing it and keep trying it, and, and, and every so often reread the page and see, oh, right, he mentions this, and I haven't been doing that, um, which you would just miss on the first read-through because it doesn't sound like it's very important but it is every word of that page is important so um so yeah so so it, it takes some some experience some time but once you do it i mean one of my one of the letters in my letters from my readers page is from a woman who loves linen clothing and she's never been able to travel with it even with even with multiple bags, because it just wrinkles. And now that she's learned how to bundle wrap, she can take all her linen stuff with her, and it never wrinkles. I have a linen jacket that I quite commonly take if I'm going to something like a wedding or something, or you know, some kind of dressy occasion. And I've never, uh, never had any trouble at all. You just, it just if you know what you're doing, it, it, there's nothing to, there's nothing to wrinkle. I mean, it's, uh, the wrinkles are caused by, are caused by you know, folds, either either big folds, like you folded your shirt in half or something, or the little folds that come from uh, the clothing shifting around inside your suitcase while it's being moved around the world. Mm-hmm. And that makes little, little tiny 
um, uh, folds. And those two kinds of folds, coupled with the pressure that is always going to exist inside a packed suitcase, that's where the creases and the wrinkles come from. So if you can somehow figure out how to get rid of those, then there's no place for the crinkles or the uh, creases and wrinkles to come from. So, um, so you get rid of uh, you get rid of the big folds by by just the basic idea of bundle wrapping itself. You're not actually folding anything; you're wrapping it around something, um, and uh, and and you get rid of the little micro folds by making sure that when you are when you are wrapping these things, you are. Uh, you know, I don't want to say stretching the fabric because it, it doesn't quite go that far, but you're, you're pulling the fabric taut so that not only is it wrapped around whatever's uh, inside it, but it's wrapped fairly tightly around what's inside it. So there's, even if it shifts a little bit, it's not going to wrinkle because there's nowhere for the fabric to come from that would make that wrinkle because it's wrapped fairly tightly around the core so yeah i think it's a i mean i think it's a great technique i mean you put a you put a video that you say is not 100 percent accurate but it looks like a great starting point because i think people need visuals and i think that is a great starting point for it yeah that that guy did one for a tv program or something and and to be honest i can't remember at the moment what he got wrong but it was but it was minor i mean he basically i think i think basically he wasn't mentioning the aspect that you have to get the the fabric you know, stretched fairly taut. I mean, you don't right. want to stretch it. You don't want to stretch your clothing, but right. you want it to be fairly taut ar- around the, the core. And I think maybe that was the part he left out. But aside from that, um, it was a good job, I thought. So I decided I'll use that rather than try to make my own. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great video. And I think that that's really key, uh, which, again, requires a lot of practice. Uh, you know, you're not going to be, just like you're not going to be a concert-level pianist overnight. You're not going to be um, a packing, a one-bag packing guru overnight. But I think that that's really key to this whole thing. It feels very much like a magic trick when you watch it, um, just the way everything's kind of like folded in on each other. So this is, again, a little practice. You can make this possible. It does require a paradigm shift. Um, but I think you help people through this process. So, Doug, where can people find you uh, and, and kind of get their journey started? Uh, well, uh, I mean, basically they find the website, which is onebag.com. Um, if they have specific questions that aren't covered on the website, there's a uh, contact page on the website where they can send me questions in that. And, uh, and um, there's sometimes a delay because I travel a lot, <laughs> but, uh, but I never ignore people, so they'll always eventually get an answer back from me. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, basically everything I know about it is on the website. There's nothing – I might be able to explain something more carefully if someone has an, a concern or something they don't understand – but I don't. I don't think I have any more secrets that are on the website because I make it a point to put them there. So, what about social media? Do you do social media? I don't do social media. I do. Um, uh, I will. Uh, although I've been a little lax doing it lately. But in general, if I make some kind of major change to the site, like I add a new, a big new section or something, or rearrange something in some significant way, then I will just post a. Uh, an announcement of that uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. So there are links on the site that you can sign up for my Facebook or Twitter feed. But that's all I do. There, I don't have any conversation. I don't. I don't read anything that you know people write about it. So it's just for announcements. Well, so this has been absolutely enlightening. Uh, I hope it will change my life. I'm actually going to get started on this. I love to travel. I don't like being hassled. 
And, you know, having one bag and not have to lug around luggage sounds amazing. And I think I'm capable. Uh, so I'm going to start on this right away. Um, Dr. Doug Diamond, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glenn Co. production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. If you love this show, subscribe to it. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and now Spotify. Those are all places you can find the show. And of course, we have the website, Fascinating Nouns. Com. You can find previous episodes, previous guests, all the links, videos, images that we talked about. They're all there under the specific show or episode. You can find them easy to navigate. And if you want to follow the show on social media, scroll to the bottom of the page. You'll find links to the show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages. And if you go all the way to the left, you can sign up for a newsletter. It's once a week. It'll tell you what's coming up on this show and all the other shows and give you additional information. Uh, it's a great resource. I love putting it out. It's one of my favorite things. And if you really love the show, become a citizen of the fascination. How do you do that? Easy. Patreon.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. Of course, there's a link on the website. There you can join the Top Secret Access Club where you will get your own RSS feed. What is that? That's a feed for for other podcasts, for audio content. You stick it into your favorite podcast player and you will get access to all of our bonus episodes, not only for Fascinating Noun, but for all of the shows that we do. It's a great resource. It's fun. I love doing it. Patreon.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. We want to see you join the ranks, the citizens of the fascination. And of course, if you like this show, you may like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening. And of transmission.